Chris Kelsey here with Matt Howell. And on this episode of The First Run, Matt and I are going to discuss Hellboy. It's the reboot directed by Neil Marshall, this time starring David Harbour as the titular Hellboy. Will this R-rated, violence-laden, gore-tasmic film help relaunch a series that never really took off financially? I'm also going to share my thoughts about The Curse of La Lorena, the latest film in the Conjuring franchise. I got to see it. Matt, unfortunately, did not. And then we're going to run through our five favorite reboots, the attempts to relaunch a franchise, if you will, because we will. But let's start everything off with a clip from the brand spanking new 2019, This Ain't Your Daddy's Hellboy. There it is. What are we, trick-or-treating or hunting giants? Tradition. To one of the brave huntsmen who've come before. From the pig stickers. Another tradition. Used by giant slayers throughout the ages. With a few modern modifications, of course. Five times as potent as an electric chair. Not enough to kill a giant, mind you, but uh, still. Quite handy in subduing the creatures. Would you care for one? Oh, that's all right. I got traditions of my own. Oh, God. I don't have to wear the hat, do I? <laughs> no. We're very well aware of your distaste for horns. It's my honor, as master of the hunt, to wear the headdress. Mm. So in that clip, Hellboy has been dispatched to work with a group of older, traditional, also supernatural kind of monster hunters. They're they're hunting down some rogue giants, Matt, that are roaming the uh, British countryside. And other stuff happens. So Matt, though, why don't you tell everybody at home, what is the new Hellboy basically all about? Hellboy's on Earth. He's working for the BPRD. And, you know, he doesn't know a whole lot about his past. A woman, a mortal witch from the past is resurrected and is starting to bring about the end of the world. And Hellboy is sent to stop her, um, where he also uncovers some of the truth of his past and why he is here. There you go. I really couldn't have said any better myself. Matt, my question for you. Yeah. Is this new version of Hellboy a reboot that stands on its own? Or should we maybe have let Del Toro and Perlman get a shot at making an R-rated Hellboy movie? Um. All right. So I'm going to start with the good. All right. We're going to do the. Uh, we're going to do what what good there is. So okay. I thought um, while he's no Ron Perlman, I actually didn't think um, Harbor's Hellboy was really was a bad representation i thought he was decent as hellboy he's not mm. as good as ron perlman but i thought he did a, a good job and you know he's actually um i think maybe closer to the comic version of hellboy um right. than than um the perlman version is and i think that's true of the entire thing for the most part it, it's it's got a lot more of mignola's style even just in the visuals um and the storytelling so maybe if you're a diehard Hellboy fan of the comics, maybe this is going to be more for you. Um, but I think the thing that's really missing from this is that it doesn't have Del Toro's obvious sense of style, and it doesn't have his kind of aesthetic touch to it. Um, so it just seems kind of, kind of like an also ran, relatively competent but bland comic book film, and you know. Um, yeah, it doesn't really bring anything new or particularly fun to the table. I mean, it's okay, but it's not a, a revelation. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that I enjoy, though I enjoyed the character designs of some of the monsters, they didn't have that imaginative flair that Del Toro brings to his work 
they were still well done and creepily done and interesting and, and potentially scary for the most part. But I think one of the big issues with this film is that it has a very overstuffed narrative. And it feel it fails to capture, Matt, any real excitement. There's no real kind of pull or drive to this thing where you just you can't wait to see what's going to happen next. We have lots of exposition, and uh, it's it seems more focused and concerned with showing new ways to disembowel people than it is to tell you a really interesting story. Uh, I agree with you that Harper's Hellboy though solid just doesn't have the charm or wit that Ron Perlman's did. And in the end, I think the film just has no life to it. It kind of just slogs along from violent scare to violent scene, right? It's just, it's very focused on the gore and then telling a very kind of intricate story that is never really, unfortunately, that interesting. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, and I think there's like a kernel of some good ideas here. I think mm-hmm. if they had, you know, honestly, the the kind of climactic battle with the monsters that are involved with that and kind of everything going on, that was more interesting. And I think it would have been much more interesting if they had kind of followed that through more, if that had taken up more of the film, as opposed to everything we got for the preceding, you know, whatever it was, you know, uh, 65 minutes. Um, but you know, um, I think they try to take a lot of what Mignola had done over those comic, uh, that long comic series that he's had and tried to kind of pick and choose and different bits of it. And it just didn't kind of work. Like you said, I think it's, you're right on the money. We're saying it's overstuffed. I think too, from what I understand, the studio had a very heavy hand with this thing. Much should appears to the film's detriment. I'm mm. a big Neil Marshall fan. So yeah. he supposedly, not supposedly, he's directed, I guess, some of the, the fan favorite episodes of Game of Thrones And also, I've enjoyed, I think, every film that he's directed so far, except maybe this one. But then I don't know how much of that falls on him. I like Dog Soldiers. I think The Descent is one of the best horror films of the past uh, 15, 20 years. I love Doomsday, though maybe Mm -hmm. I don't like the second half or that one third where they're in the kind of the countryside. That may not work for me as well, but Rona Mitra kicks all kinds of ass in that thing. Uh, Fassbender in Centurion is yep. great. So uh, this is really... I was really looking forward to this. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a fan also of Harbor, and I thought we could have maybe had a different spin that would have been really interesting. And I was on board for an R-rated Hellboy movie. I yeah. think in the end, maybe I wish they kind of just gave Del Toro the license to make an R-rated Hellboy film with Perlman right. one last time. I get you trying to go with a cream break and start over it's just that it's just it's not quite there it just doesn't come together i think i agree with you that i feel that this film does have a particular audience i think maybe the hellboy purists and i would say kind of the batman versus superman apologists will kind of eat (laughs) this stuff up right because this is a dark um ultra violent superhero movie which seems to have a very specific audience that can't get enough of this stuff right so i don't know I, there are parts of it I did think were good. I would be potentially... Would I be interested in the sequel? I've been going back and forth on this. I think if they sure. can tighten it up. If they think if they can t- tighten it up and they can kind of get everybody on board. Because one of the other bigger problems in this is that some people are, are you know very enjoyable to watch in this as far as the performances go. Um but most of them are flat. Like Mila Jovovich is just, I don't know what she's doing and it's just not, 
it's not good. And I think if they can kind of get all the performances on track and kind of tighten up what they're trying to do, it could be a lot better. So I'd be interested to see, but it's not going to happen. I think no. it's like it's tanking. Yeah, no, it cost 50 mil to make. And uh, according to Wikipedia, it's only made 39. So this may be it for Hellboy for the foreseeable future. Maybe they'll try another reboot at some point. Right. But uh, it's not looking good. It is not looking good. Well, what we need to do is uh, give Neil Marshall the comic book property he deserves and that the world deserves and give him the Dread sequel with Carl Urban because we desperately need another one of those. Now that I'd be on board for, but I need Marshall to kind of have free reign, like 1970s director reign where we basically can do whatever he wants you know he's like a scorsese or coppola yeah right just let him do what he wants to do uh i think that's like a chimino heaven's gate type thing we'll see what comes out of that Mm -hmm. so what are you giving hellboy as a grade um i'm gonna give it a gentleman c i don't think it's i think it's it's not bad enough to be a c minus or less but it doesn't really deserve anything higher either that's exactly what i had shockingly shocked (laughs) I have Hellboy with a C as well. Uh, if you've had a chance to see Hellboy, shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Coming up on Blu-ray and DVD this upcoming Tuesday, that is April 30th. Well, there's, there's, there's something. Good to see you, John. I love sparkling water, too. Ice and lemon. Why not? So, what do you say? Say I'm not called John anymore. It's funny, huh? What do you care? I don't believe in coincidence. Neither do I. Welcome to Plymouth, Bill. Do you have a place here? Maybe we can go to dinner? Only places that are open, you're in it. I'd like to talk to you someplace private. I'd like to know what the f- you're doing out here on the edge of nowhere. I came to tell you you were right. And I was wrong. <laughs> Man, I gotta see this movie. So that is McConaughey and Hathaway in Serenity, which is supposed okay. to be just a nice sleazy kind of film noir that... It's just absolutely bonkers, I guess, for the last quarter of it or something. I don't know, but I really want to see that thing. So it's basically, it's a mysterious past of a fishing boat captain, that's McConaughey, living in the Caribbean, comes back to haunt him, ensnaring his life in a new reality that may not be what all that it seems to be. Mads is back in the Arctic. This is the one where he gets stranded there and has to decide, does he stay in the shelter of his crash plane or try and make it to civilization? Includes two featurettes, a making of, and something focusing on Mads, as well as some deleted scenes. Miss Bala, the American remake of the Mexican film, is being released. It's about a beauty contestant, and she's a winner, Matt, but she's forced to work for a crime boss after she witnesses a murder. Includes eight deleted scenes and some extended scenes as well, three making of featurettes, and a commentary with a director and executive producer. Dragged Across Concrete. Have you heard about this one with Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn? I have not. So the script centers on two policemen, one an old timer, the other is volatile young partner, who find themselves suspended when a video of their strong arm tactics become the media's case du jour. 
Low on cash and with no other options, the two embittered soldiers descend into a criminal underworld to gain their just due, but instead find far more than that waiting for them as they enter the shadows. It goes a three-part documentary called Elements of the Crime, as well as a making of feature. It's supposed to be kind of like a crazy, ultra-violent action film, but with Mel and Vince, so we'll have to think about looking into that one. New to Blu-ray, Criterion is releasing police, excuse me, police Story 1 and 2. The Jackie Chan films both include new 4K restorations and includes a bunch of featurettes, including a Hong Kong release version of Police Story 2, presented in high definition for the first time. New programs on Chan's screen persona and action filmmaking techniques, archival interviews, uh, stunt reel, a television program from 1964, detailing the rigors of Peking opera training akin to the education that Chan received as a child, and a bunch of other stuff. Criterion is also releasing Diamonds of the Night with the simultaneous, excuse me, the word Matt is pronounced simultaneously, harrowing mm-hmm. an lyrical debut future of Jan Nemec, established himself as the uncompromising visionary among the radical filmmakers who had made up the Czechoslovakian new wave. It's adapted by the novel by Ernest Lustwig, Diamonds of the Night closely tracks two boys who escape from a concentration camp transport and flee into the surrounding woods, a hostile terrain where the brute realities of survival coexist with dreams, memories, and fragments of visual poetry. Boasts a new 4K digital restoration, an interview from 2009 with Nemec, and a bunch of other featurettes. There's a 35th anniversary Matt release of 16 Candles, includes a digibook, an 11-part documentary, as well as 100 years of universal movies focusing just on the 80s output, which would be appealing to me for sure. Summer Stock, starring Judy Garland and Gene Kelly, is being released. This is the film where a farmer gets sucked into show business when a theatrical troupe invades her farm. The Silence of the Lambs sequel, or was it a prequel? Hannibal is being released. It was a sequel, right? It was a sequel. Uh, yes, it was. Well, yes, sequel. And that's getting a 4K release. The Spanish Prisoner, one of my favorite David Mamet films starring Steve Martin is being released. The Boxer, starring Daniel Day-Lewis. He plays a gentleman freed from jail 14 years after getting involved with the Irish Republican Army. He plays Danny Flynn, who returns home to his Belfast neighborhood where he opens a gym, reconnects with his lost love. But the problem that is that Danny's former life and the person of a former IRA compatriot comes back to haunt him. Includes audio commentary with a director, another one with the producer, some deleted scenes as well. Vinegar Syndrome is releasing a whole slew of films again. They don't seem to stagger their stuff. They'll release like four films during the month at the same day. They're releasing Dark Room, Grandmother's House, The Corruption of Chris Miller, and Skin Flicks. I'll let you do the math on that last one. All films boast brand new 4K restorations and a ton of behind-the-scenes featurettes. If you're a fan of any of these films from the 70s and 80s, you'll want to check them out. I'm sure Vinegar Syndrome has done them all proud. Cuffs is being released from Shout Select. Remember the Christian Slater movie Cuffs? I remember really liking this as a kid. I remember it vaguely, but I don't really remember anything about it besides the title. I know he's a cop and something happens. I don't know. But there's three brand new featurettes, one of them being an audio commentary with a co-writer and director, a new conversation with Bruce A. Evans and Reynold Gideon, and then a new conversation with Harold Faltemeyer. And you all know Harold Faltemeyer, of course. Give us the classic XLS 
theme from uh, oh, Beverly Hills Cop. Of course, yes. The great the, the, synth uh, yep. soundtrack. The man who launched, uh, who raised Casio's stock price single-handedly. That's right. <laughs> Scream is also releasing The Brain with a brand new 4K restoration and a ton of new features. Three brand new audio commentaries, four making of featurettes. So if you're a fan of that cult classic, you can pick that up. And then, Matt, your straight-to-DVD pick of the week. I feel sometimes we're too male-centric. We're too white, middle-aged, cis-male focused on this show. Well, I mean, that's what we are, but continue. True. I mean, I'm sure <laughs> we'll end up doing like a three-hour Avengers show next week. Anyway, right. straight-to-DVD pick of the week is Chippendales Off the Cuff. This documentary is perhaps one of the most notorious subject matters. Focusing on the 1980s male review, Chippendales. We hear from the actual 1980s former Chippendale performers as well as others. We explore vintage footage from the 80s to the present day lives of, I can't believe they got these guys. Michael Rapp, Dean Mamalis, Gary Goldman, John Richardson, Scott Marlowe, David Cohen, and Brian Carpenter. As well as a guy named Jonathan Shogun. I would kill for a last name like Jonathan Shogun. It is a must-see, Matt, with behind-the-scenes, up-close, and personal with the men of Chippendales. I remember my mom having Chippendales playing cards in the 80s. <laughs> so what should Sorry, we... Mom. Sorry, Mom. I wonder if they're worth anything now. I wonder yeah, if Jonathan Shogun's on any of them. Maybe. He should be. Sounds like he probably... He seems like he should have been on American Gladiators after he served his Chippendales stint. You would think so. So yes. what what should we be streaming this week? Uh, I'm going to recommend a, a you know a fun light film um, by Jeremy Saulnier, um, <laughs> director of Green Room, and that is Blue Ruin. Somehow even more brutal and oppressive than Green Room is. Um, although I particularly love Green Room and I enjoy Blue Ruin as well. So if you're in the in the mood for something crushingly heavy. Here's your chance. Available on Netflix. Yeah, I mean, I love revenge movies, but man, Blue Ruin makes you rethink the whole genre. I mean, <laughs> that is... I think his other, was it Monster Party? What's, is, what's it called? Yeah, Monster Party. I've never seen it, though. I think that's on Netflix. I, I, I was, I'm halfway through it. I got interrupted, and I never got a chance to go back to it. Okay. But Blue Ruin is making Blair's in that one, too. He stars in that thing, and that thing is rough. So, enjoy! Alright, yeah. Good time, guys. Okay, Matt, I'm going to then spend a couple of minutes and talk about the curse of La Llorona. Patricia, I'm very sorry about your loss. It's your fault! I can't even imagine how you must feel. Your children. Vincent. Vincent. Are safe now. But have they heard her crying? Have they felt the sting of her tears? They will. And she will come for them. Who? La Llorona. So La Llorona is here, Matt, and her curse is following. And as always, every episode is specifically mastered for a particular listening experience. This one, of course, is best listened to while combating a psychotic ghost woman demon thing determined to take your children. So, Matt. La Llorona. 
So, so can I just want to before you get into this? Yeah, I just want to give uh, people a little insight into the background workings of the first run. On occasion, I can't see both films, and I was on vacation, so I couldn't see both films. I said, okay, I told Chris I can see one or the other in time to record, either Hellboy or La Llorona, and he goes, Hellboy, it is. So that should just give you a little insight. I always know what Chris is about to say when he tells me which one to go see. <laughs> Continue, my friend. Yeah, and I, whenever I say La Llorona, I always think my Sharona pops in my head, which is a song mm. I cannot stand. <laughs> so this is a, another entry. Well, this is another Good. entry in the Conjuring universe, where a ghost who took who took the lives of her children then comes and haunts particular families for some reason. She goes from house to house or something. And attempts to steal the children of people to, to get her children back or something. So that's what happens here. This uh, we have it opens up in 1673 to kind of establish the legend or the curse, if you will. And Linda Cardellini plays Anna Tate Garcia. She has lost her husband in the line of duty. He is a police officer and she's raising her two children by herself. She's a social worker and she checks in on a family whose kids haven't gone to school. And that was what it is. You heard the mother and uh, and Anna talking right there. What happens is the well, Lorena takes the woman's children. She was trying to protect them. What happens is Anna makes, kind of rolls things into a, puts things in motion that cause the children to be taken. So then the curse then moves on to her and she has to protect her children. And it does feature one of my favorite uh, character actors, Raymond Cruz, if you were to Google him, you'd be, oh, yeah, that guy. Uh, he basically he typically plays the heavy uh, in a lot of Mexican roles. Uh, or he does some military stuff, too. Yeah, he was uh, Tuco in uh, in Breaking Bad. And Better Call Saul. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So that's it. So he plays kind of the fallen priest who helps the uh, family to try and stave off the ghost. So, Matt, is this a worthy addition to a hit-and-miss franchise? No. It's it's exceptionally frustrating at times. First off, it's way too formulaic. There is no, there's really no style or flair to this thing whatsoever. It's just a straightforward horror film that's way too reliant on jump scares. I do love the idea of visiting different myths and stories from around the world. I like that maybe we could go like, you know, uh, bring in like a Russian ghost or a German one. All these different cultures have all their own, you know, scary stories. And I would be fascinated if we, if the Conjuring universe would kind of expand from there and kind of pick and choose from all those other legends. I think that would be really good. Unfortunately, I'd like some flair. I'd like some style. I'd like some originality in the way the story is told, which is what the curse fails to do. I'd even be open to a Raymond Cruz spinoff where he's roaming the country fighting demons and spirits, something to that effect. But in the end, The Curse of La Lorena gets a C- minus for me. I don't know if it's as bad as the first Annabelle film, but it's not good. And it's, it's disappointing because I think there's some really interesting ideas here. Uh, but unfortunately, just sitting it in the 70s and just telling me a straightforward ghost story isn't quite enough. So, if you've had a chance to see The Curse of La Llorona, show me an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. All right, Matt, let's go ahead and keep this train rolling. Speaking of curses, 
why don't we go ahead and spend a few minutes talking about our five favorite reboots. Man, that was a good transition. <laughs> Sir, Inspector Estrada asks that you come with me at once. What's he done now? Lost his way to Scotland Yard. <laughs> Watson, grab a compass. You means us. No, you means you. It's Lord Blackwood, sir. He, uh, well, it appears he's come back from the grave, sir. Most engaging. Very clever. I pronounce the man dead myself. What are the facts? Groundskeeper claims he saw him walking through the graveyard just this morning, sir. I'll leave this in your capable hands. I have an appointment with Mary. Stop my reputation is at stake here. Don't try that. Have the newspapers got rid of it yet? Well, that's what we're trying to avoid, sir. Certainly. What's the major concern? Panic. Sheer bloody panic, sir. Indeed. You're not taking this seriously, are you, Holmes? Yes, as you should. <sighs> it's a matter of professional integrity. No girl wants to marry a doctor who can't tell if a man's dead or not. So, Matt, supposedly, they're making a third film in that franchise. Can you believe it? They're going to make a, that, of course, is Guy Ritchie's Sherlock Holmes reboot with Robert Downey Jr., Sherlock, and Jude Law as Dr. John Watson. Now, I think those first two films are enjoyable enough, mm-hmm. but I'm surprised they're making a third. I guess I'm glad. I think it's good. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I was never a huge fan of them. I know you liked them. I was. I remember being surprised that they did well enough to deserve a sequel. Um, yeah. But um, you know what? If 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 people like them, who am I to judge? It's not for me. Not for my taste, though. There and honestly, is. listening to that, I if you not seeing the face, I I'm amazed at how much RDJ's British accent sounds like Peter Dinklage on Game of Thrones. They sound exactly the same. <laughs> I don't know. I gotta watch more Game of Thrones. I gotta place that. I'm still a season behind. I haven't even started this one. I well, mean, at least you don't have to wait like the rest of us. You can just burn through the last two seasons. That's, that's true. Though, I man, Twitter, that's all it was. It was Game of Thrones talk for like two days after Sunday night. Oh, yeah, it's a big deal, man. You're missing out on the zitgeist. Man. Zeitgeist. Well, I'll be all on the zeitgeist. I, I muted Avengers talk in my Twitter feed. until Did I you? The film. I did. I thought, okay. I, just, I thought that was the best thing to do. So, that, of course, clearly was a franchised uh, reboot that did not make the cut for me. So Sherlock Holmes will not be on my list of my favorite reboots, Matt. So okay. um, why don't you go first this week? What is your fifth favorite reboot? All right. So my fifth favorite reboot, um, I think we generally enjoyed this as both of us as big fans of the source material um, with some unfortunate side plots. But I think if we got rid of them, we're looking forward to the next one. Um, it's the new remake of or reboot of Godzilla, um, the American Fat Godzilla, as the Japanese are fond of calling him. Um, you know what? I thought once we finally, finally got down to the monster action, I thought it was quite good. And I'm really looking forward to this new one where they're focusing on what we want to see. Monsters beating each other up. I agree. In fact, I tweeted that the other day to somebody because they were asking, should I watch the original Godzilla movie? And there isn't any good. I remember saying at the time that it was like pitch perfect summer blockbuster entertainment, except mm-hmm. for one Glaring. gigantic flaw, <laughs> which is Aaron Taylor Johnson. Yeah. His subplot where they try to add, inject some like humanity, right? And stakes to the film is just 
horribly miss you know not well done well it's it's it doesn't work it's not interesting all you want is to get him off the screen and see more smashing that's all yeah. you want yeah so that's, that's all we want from a godzilla too. film man come on yeah so i agree actually godzilla is my number six it was gonna be higher up on my list and it may but, replace my number five the way things are going because i don't know <laughs> if we're gonna get another film yeah but my number five is mad max with fury mm. road yeah it's supposed I, to be a relaunch of a franchise yeah see i struggled with that one because i was like is it a sequel but then of course i considered it more of a sequel otherwise it definitely would have been on my list that's true i kind of looked at it as a reboot of the franchise but it's the same well i mean but it's always the same characters anyway like right well right. that's not true because like no one's batman films aren't reboots of tim burton's batman movies so if I go by those strict rules, and I would have to say Godzilla would be five, but Mad Max Fury Road, and I know he's supposed to be, he wants to make a sequel of this thing, but it's not, I guess what would happen is the, he, there was the big lawsuit, right? Where mm-hmm. the thing made a bunch of money, so he was due for a payout, and the studio said, actually, it, it lost money, so we don't owe you anything, and he, George Miller, sued the studio. Right. So... But if you haven't seen Mad Max Fury Road, I mean, I think we ranted and raved about that thing for a good year after it came out. It's a perfect action film. It's got so many practical effects. It's so good. So, yeah. So I guess I have a I have a cheat. I'm going Godzilla with the real, I guess, with the rules. And yeah. Mad Max, if it is technically a reboot, I guess it, I don't, is it? Yeah, it is. You know what? You're right. It is. I have to consider it a sequel because it does, it's, he talks about stuff from his past but he's so much older in Thunderdome. I don't know. All right. Yeah, I know. See, and that's the kind of whole thing about it. See, it's confusing because I like the idea where Max is like this legendary figure and it's other people's stories. So really it could be anybody playing him. So I think that's, that's cool. Like, I like that. Um, yeah. But so that's why I struggle with it, but I agree. I mean, I think it definitely should have been on there. And there's another one I want to talk about to get your opinion on because you're the authority, but we'll wait. Clearly, since I can't make up my mind on this. Yeah. So what's your four? Uh, my number four is a film that had no business being as good as it was and as enjoyable as it was. And I think all of us here at the first run, um, through the various hosts that we've had, we're all very surprised. And that is uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Um, mm-hmm. Planet of the Apes is 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 a camp um, classic if you're into camp, which I'm not particularly, so I never enjoyed them that much. So I was really not looking forward to these and I was not expecting much from these, but I was really surprised at how good that first film was. And the second one's really good too. I mean, it kind of falls off a little bit with the third one, but I think it's a pretty solid trilogy and I I think uh, very enjoyable films. I remember when they, yeah, I think we were, it just started doing the show. It was a year old maybe. And we had read that there was a Planet of the Apes movie. I'm like, are you kidding me? Really? Or going to try this? was so bad. And you're right. It was great. And the second one was even better. Like you said, the third one, still solid. So mm-hmm. didn't make the cut for me right outside. Uh, but I agree. I think Planet of the Apes is a great one. Yeah. My number four then is the MCU version of Spider-Man. So you had Sam Raimi's trilogy, and then you had the Mark Webb attempt at a trilogy where we just got the two films with Andrew Garfield, and then we have the new version. Uh, so in this new version, I, I think, though I think I still think maybe Spider-Man 2 is the best film out of all of them. Uh, 
I think Tom Holland's Spider-Man in that film captures the essence of who Peter Parker and Spider-Man is at its purest at the most, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I So I think it's it's my number four, and I cannot wait to see Far From Home. I am fairly confident it's going to be fantastic and a blast. From what I understand, too, is that Figgy says that Homecoming, excuse me, Far From Home is the true end of Phase 3, not Endgame. Okay. Which I think is interesting. Yeah, so, Still, I, I'm going with the Tom Holland Spider-Man as my fourth favorite reboot. All right. It's a good one. Um, so my number three um, is the reboot of a very franchise that is near and dear to um, both of our hearts, although maybe different sections of the franchise. Um, but that is J.J. Abrams' Kelvinverse Star Trek. Um, kind of a hard, soft you know, sequel reboot whole separate timeline thing but um a pretty solid star wars or star trek film um you know kind of brings uh crew the crew into like the 21st century as far as visuals go um has a, a unique aesthetic um and it's got you know pretty solid performances throughout granted it's divisive among fans i mean i think each one of those films has its problems um but as a whole i think they're relatively enjoyable I agree. In fact, I agree so much that it's my third favorite one as well. Oh, very nice. I think Abrams is able to breathe life into a franchise that had basically been stumbling for years. Those next generation films, particularly near the end, are not terribly good. I have no interest in ever revisiting any of them. I never really had an affiliation though or an affection for next generation. I never I watched the first season and it never really grabbed me. And from what I understand, the first season is the worst season out of all it's of them. It's by far the worst. Progressively yes. better. Yeah. But it just never and I've always a Kirk guy. I'm a Shatner guy. Right. So <laughs> when Abrams rebooted this thing, I was excited, but as I run my life, I live my life cautiously pessimistic. And I was impressed by how it how it went. Chris Pine does a great spin on the Kirk legend. I think he captures everything that made Shatner's interpretation of the character so adored and so great. Uh, Zachary Quinto's Spock is solid. Kyle Urban's McCoy may be my favorite out of mm-hmm. the three of them. So, and even though, like you said, they are they all do have some flaws. All three of them are really entertaining in their own rights. It's just it's it's weird. Like in every film, they made one bad decision. Yeah. But uh, still, they're really fun and entertaining, and I will enjoy them for years to come. We may never get another film at this point. They right. seem to be focusing more on Discovery. Yeah. Uh, so, and the films have basically been put on hold indefinitely. I guess Simon Pegg has wor- wrote a fourth film, or he's interested in doing, writing a fourth film. I don't know. But from what I understand, and Tarantino was a tease, right? Right. But from what I understand, it basically at this point that it's it's dead in the water. So yeah. it's too bad. But it's it, too bad. I mean, and you know what, Chris Pine, not for nothing, he maybe believed that maybe Kirk could actually win a fist fight, whereas with Shatner, I, you know, he was so arthritic even when he was. 35 like i don't understand how you know anybody thought he could beat anybody how dare you how dare me i know i'm so rude all right so my number two my number two um we're not gonna get another one and that breaks my heart because i enjoy this film so much um it is carl urban's dread um that is the way it should have been um i think we had james on this show and we asked him which he preferred stallone or carl urban as dread and he 
committed the huge sacrilege of saying he preferred Stallone and I was very upset with him. It was the first time I met the guy. Um, <laughs> and I was, I was like, who is this person saying such a, such a thing? And funny enough, the Stallone one, I hadn't seen in forever. It was on HBO and I caught like five minutes of it or 10 minutes in the background. I'm like, God, this is just terrible. But dread is fantastic. And it's got, you know, violence and excellent action scenes and, Carl Urban's perfect, and Lena Headey is a is a compelling villain who's scary, and everything about it is just fantastic. Um, and I will hear no comments, no comments about how it ripped off the raid. The raid ripped off Dread. Dread was written for years and was floating around there. And Gareth Edwards had seen that script, and he ripped it off. So I don't even want to hear about it from anybody. I didn't know that little piece of trivia. Yeah, huh. yeah, oh yeah. The Dread script in its form who had been kicking around for like a decade just like and like he had actually seen the script son of a bitch i know right and then he beat him to the punch with another perfect action film and now you ruined it for everybody right thanks now, now you know i totally forgot about tread and i love that thing i'm really disappointed in myself and of course if you don't know basically ghost directed by alex garland who mm-hmm. did uh ex machina and annihilation yeah so yeah, no, Dread is a great one. I don't... There's still a small contingent of people like us who are clamoring for a sequel. I know yeah. Urban would still do it. But, yeah, there's just apparently no juice or desire by the studios to try it yet again. Maybe in another 10 years. Who knows? Maybe they'll do, like, a Hellboy Dread team-up and try and see if that works. <laughs> Fantastic. As long as it's Carl Urban, he's got to put the hell out of him and you won't even know. There you go. <laughs> so my number one and my number two, I went back and forth on. I'm still going back and forth on it. And I think I'm just going to go, my final decision is just going to be just quantity. So my number two is going to be Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy. Uh, you have your reboot from the Tim Burton slash Joel Schumacher Batman films. You introduce Batman Begins. Listen, I'm going to be straight with you. That movie's not great. All right. It's good. It's yeah. solid, but it is yeah. not great. Right. But The Dark Knight is another whole level, possibly the best superhero film ever made. It's smart what you do. It's like baseball movies. You know, baseball movies are never really about baseball. Mm-hmm. Well, The Dark Knight isn't really about superheroes. It's a crime film that happens to feature Batman. Right. Featuring one of the greatest performances of a villain ever. Supervillain, probably I should be say specifically. So, and then you have an exceptionally solid Dark Knight Rises, maybe a little too overstuffed, but a really fun performance by Tom Hardy. And overall, just a really entertaining film that maybe we could have trimmed down 20 minutes out of. But still, uh, (laughs) if you're looking for uh, possibly the perfect interpretation of the Batman on the big screen, you can't really go wrong with Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy. Though I will, I'm not, I will say I'm, Ben Affleck did a great job. It's yeah. not his fault that those movies are <clears throat> terribly great. Affleck has a better bat voice too. That's um, true. Bale sounds borderline ridiculous. And but... I like that Affleck's suit is Dark Knight reminiscent. Mm, yeah. So, there you go. Number two. Um, it didn't make my list. I really struggled with that one. Um, I think partly it didn't make the list just because um, Batman begins. It doesn't seem like a that Nolan trilogy seems like it's its own thing. Like it's weird to like it almost exists outside the DC universe of any kind. So it seemed weird to say it was a reboot to me, but it is. It is fantastic. Um, and like you said, Batman Begins is not great. It's really kind of held up almost entirely by Dark Knight. Yeah. 
Um, so my number one is Chris's number four. It's Spider-Man Homecoming, and I am an unapologetic Spider-Man fan. I'm sorry. I know I talk about it a lot, um, but it's my favorite, and I think they really nailed it um, as far as uh, the tone and getting – it's the first time we really see um, it done right as a whole, whereas Tobey Maguire was probably a better Peter Parker than he was a Spider-Man, and Andrew mm-hmm. Garfield was a better Spider-Man than he was a Peter Parker, whereas I think Holland kind of nails both. Um and I'm really excited to see what's coming forward in July. And the costume is perfect. It is. And we're back to mechanical web shooters again, which is good. So, all right, Matt, what's my number one? It's Casino Royale. Exactly. Yeah. It's Casino Royale, the James Bond reboot with Daniel Craig. And I went back and forth on this a little bit, too, because Quantum of Solace is okay. Skyfall is so i remember at the time saying skyfall was probably my third favorite bond film Mm. and that is a flawed movie as well but it is stunning it is the prettiest james bond film that thing is shot by roger deakins and it is gorgeous almost every scene every frame of that film you could frame it it's it's just a work of art and same with specter specter has some just fantastic shots in that thing they make some really bad choices, Inspector, that possibly almost uh, sunk the whole reboot for me. I appreciate that they want to get back to what everybody loves about James Bond and get those core elements back in place. But just, man, making him his adopted brother is just oh, such a horrible decision and pointless. So, but still, in the end, my favorite reboot out of all this stuff, obviously, it's going to be Casino Royale and James Bond. Casino Royale, maybe again, another film that may be a little over long, but still really good. And Craig is the second best James Bond, hands down. Who knows? Maybe with the next film, he'll become the best. I don't think so. I guess this week, too, Matt, they're going to be, an, there's some announcement about Bond 25. Maybe it's going to be a title and mm. um, shooting locations. I'm not sure. So, but still, there you go. Casino Royale. So, Matt, my honorable mentions. Like you had Dread, Planet of the Apes, Godzilla, Sherlock Holmes. Uh, honorable mentions for you? Uh, besides Batman McGinn's, the only other one I had was Casino Royale. And I, I guess I just wanted to... I knew you were the Bond... Um, you know, you're the Bond expert of the two of us. And I, I guess uh, I wasn't sure if they were considered a sequel or is it every time we get a new James Bond, that's a reboot. I wasn't really sure how we treated that since we've had so many of them. Um, so that's why I put it in the honorable mention, just because I wasn't quite sure where it fits in this whole narrative that we're trying to do. Yeah, no, they're all they're all sequels up to Casino. Okay. There's a theory that James Bond is a code name that passes right. from agent to agent. But um, on Her Majesty's Secret Service, and then later, uh, um, what's the Roger Moore one that starts off in the beginning, where he's at the uh, gravestone? Either way, it connects to two films. So okay. it's just a weird fan theory. It's not true. James Bond is James Bond. He's the same guy. Right. Okay. So all those other films are sequels. All right. What's your favorite reboot? Just an email at feedback at thefirsttorun.com. I'm assuming James Bond's going to be the number one for everybody. It's the only answer. You get four films. You're going to have a fifth. And they're all pretty good, right? Right. Next week, Matt. Oh, boy. 
Are you bringing your adult diapers? You got three plus hours, baby. Are you ready? I know, man. I, 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 I'm not going to be able to have any snacks in this film because I don't want to have to get up in the middle of it for any reason. I am going to drain my bladder like nobody's business before I walk into that thing. <laughs> three hours. But I am looking forward to it. It's It's been, what, 10 years in the making? No, longer than that, yeah. right? 11. So it's, we'll see. Do they pull it off? Can they possibly pay off everything they need to pay off and make all the fans happy? Matt, will this beat Titanic? What do you think? Will this be? Is that the, the uh, is that the is that the uh, is that the adjusted for inflation winner? I thought it was. No, Avatar. I think Gone with the Wind. I think is still number one. Oh, okay. If you adjust for inflation, I think oh, at okay. the time, I think eighty-five uh, percent of the populace saw Gone with the Wind. Oh wow. Um, let's see here. It's let's which is it. baffling to me because it's not a very good film. Here we go. All time. Well, it's just slightly racist. <laughs> uh, let's see. That's weird. Why is it saying that? It's an all-time box office. And then... This is not very helpful there. Box office mojo. You just have to find where it says... Oh, it's Avatar, isn't it, actually? Yeah, I think it is Avatar. I think Gone Within, if you adjust for inflation, is still... There it goes. Yeah, okay. So Avatar is number one at two point. Almost almost two point eight billion. That's just amazing to me that a film that made that much money and that many people saw is so irrelevant. I know no cultural impact whatsoever. The Disney ride has more impact than than the actual film. So, all right. So let's see here too. Opening weekend was that's weird. They made more of the. Oh, here we go. Opening weekend. Well, that's this is pointless. Seventy-seven million. Endgame will beat that. I think some of the other films have already beat that. Yeah. All right. Either way, what's well, is it going to be number one, Matt? Will it be clear two billion, almost three? I think it will. Wow. Yeah, that's a, it's a really good shot. This is their this is their best shot, I think, to do it. I mean, the things have been they've been selling tickets for how long, I and mean, they're basically sold out, even in the middle of nowhere. I live is it's basically sold out so i'm going on a monday at seven and it is most when i checked it two days ago it was mostly sold out all yeah. those seats a couple in the front and then some edge seats all the way up in the back basically and that's the dolby so interesting interesting although i will say that since we're both seeing it in dolby we're both we'll probably lose 10 percent of our already credit failing old man hearing so <laughs> Looking forward to it. How many times do you think you'll see it? Do you think it'll go more than once? Uh, I went to see I went to see um, Infinity War more than once, so I I might I might go see it. Although three hours is a long set, you know. <laughs> yeah, but we'll see. I'm gonna watch Infinity War um, at some point this weekend before I go. Maybe I'll watch it Sunday night before I head out. So the real question: Are you gonna try and pull in another film? That's the real question. Well, we'll it's probably not at the theaters. No. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll see what else is coming up. But, obviously, so the big film next week is Avengers Endgame. It's going to be a big one, folks. Uh, check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Do a search for the first run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Eventually, you will find us. Go over to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating. That's how other people find this show. I will read it on air, no matter how 
great it is. <laughs> and that's going to be the big show for this week, Matt. So uh, let's go ahead and take an extended break. Oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you. In physical hard copies will be available in tweeters all over the country um, the next week. So if you can find oh, wow. tweeters. Oh, very nice. Does anybody even remember tweeters? <laughs> Barely. Barely, my friend. Barely. Yeah, fair enough. We'll see everybody in a week. Happy Avengers weekend! Don't kill me! Don't kill me, man! I'm not going to kill you. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to tell all your friends about me. What are you? I'm Batman.